the executive director of YouServe Utah. We talked about the 9-11 Day of Service and Remembrance and all the ways that we can serve throughout the state. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. Today we have a really fun episode with a dear friend of mine, um, LaDawn Stoddard. She is the Executive Director of YouServe Utah um, and the Utah Commission on Service and Volunteerism. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to have you here, LaDawn. We've been, we've been friends for several years now. Um, you've worked with my husband on many things. Um, talk to me a little bit about who you are and, and your background. Where'd you come from? So um, I grew up in a pretty large family. I'm the oldest of seven. And my parents had this um, inkling about every two years to move to a different location. It started off, my dad was in sales. And so um, back in the day when it, before internet or any of that, you got transferred, right? Mm-hmm. So every Every couple of years, he'd be transferred to a new location. After he left sales, he still really liked that. And so I was born in Arizona. I've lived in just about every western U.S. state, California, Colorado, Arizona, Utah, Idaho, Washington, even spent a few years in Alaska Ooh, as wow. a teenager. So, Where in Alaska? Anchorage. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my dad was up there during the pipeline boom where they were – building the um, Alaskan pipeline. And so mm-hmm. he did uh, cells with, within that, that area. And yeah, we spent about three years up there. Wow. So what, how old were you when you were up there? Um, that was from sixth, seventh, and part of eighth grade. So middle school. Yes. How was that? Oh, you know, it was it was fun. You know, it Alaska's a really diverse area. It's got um a lot of air force bases and military bases and so um it's it's a really diverse and interesting population. So l- a lot of um things learned when I was younger about just getting to know different cultures and different people. So Oh, interesting. And so you probably um did do you feel like that because that's a pretty formative time. It is. Um and so, you know, and folks in military, they're they're moving around a lot as well. So, so you probably had a lot of middle school friends that were in a similar, maybe yeah. a similar situation. All as of you. us kind of came in and out, and it was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of transition going on at that time. It didn't feel quite as intense um, when I was in middle school, and then moving three more times before I graduated high school was was where it got a little more intense. Wow. So, so intense meaning it was harder. Just hard. It's yeah. hard. It um I I I vowed that I was not going to move my children, you know, because of that you kind of you either do exactly what your parents do or you do opposite. And yeah. <laughs> and I really wanted to give them um not have them feel that way, but I have three boys and I think I've learned that boys maybe it's a little easier than girls sometimes in in those transitions. Not not completely, but yeah. so we did. We um we uh, just moved once while my children were young, um, and yeah, I've been married for a long time. I'm not going to go into years. It, it will date <laughs> me, but um, married my high school sweetheart, kind of a similar story to little bit of yours. So you, you were there long enough in high school to, to yep. meet. Actually, we met, and he left to serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints while I was still in high school, and so he went off on his mission, and... 
I moved right after that from Idaho, Rexburg, where I met my husband, to Utah, graduated from American Fork High School. I went the end of my junior and, and my senior year um, there, graduated, and then got married shortly after graduation. So oh, really? He, he was back. So oh, okay. it was about – I graduated in May and got married in October. So Wow. Yeah. So you're very young. Very young. I jokingly used to tell people that I started having children when I was 12. But being from Utah, you can't say that no, out of state can't. because you, they no. don't know if you're joking or not. There's a few things you can say in Utah that, you know. So I stopped saying that. I started just using the term very young. But yeah, I oh, had three children by my early 20s. So. Wow. And so, I mean, good, bad. I mean, I guess it's all you know, but I mean, do you do you always feel like you? I think there's good and bad to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I raised my husband very well. <laughs> no, I really I mean, we joke about that. But Spencer and I, you know, because we started dating. Well, we were really good friends, you know, earlier on in high school and then didn't start really dating until he was had graduated and I was a senior and then he was going to snow college. And so, but I do feel like in a lot of ways, and then again, he left on a mission. We wrote back in the day, it wasn't email. It wasn't phone calls. It was, it was just writing letters, which to Mexico took, uh, by the time you got an answer to a question that you asked, it was at least a month. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a little tricky that way, but, um, but I always, I always say to people, like, I feel like we really did grow up together. It's exactly how I feel. And I think there's pros and cons to that. If you work at it, you grow up together. If sometimes if you, you know, think whatever happens in your life, you can grow up and grow apart. But yeah. um, I feel like we grew up together. And, yeah, it's all I really know. But I don't encourage my – I didn't encourage my kids to start that young at all, right? I no, mean, and I feel like it's a little different. Now, I don't know. Maybe – I don't know. I, yeah. I haven't either. I, I'm like, oh, yeah, just, just you know, don't get serious in high school. Just, just yeah. So I know, and then you feel a little hypocritical. But I do. I do. But it, it wasn't a hard push because they, they, they weren't inclined that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, so you, you graduated from American Fork I and did. then what? So married, raised kids. I didn't go back to college until I was almost 40. Okay. That's what I wanted. So, so yeah. So okay. back, um, finished, did my college, my schooling, um, started with my, uh, my, the current, I work for the Commission on Service and Volunteerism, you serve Utah. And I started there part-time. I was looking for a part-time job for my oldest son. He was okay. How old would he have been? He was like 16 when I was looking for a, a, just a part-time job. I had I had owned a small business for a time, and then I um, we had sold that, and I wasn't working. And so um, I uh, I was looking for a part-time job for him, and I came across this and thought it sounded interesting. At first, I didn't know it was with state government at all, right? Um, they didn't broadcast that. And I went through the whole interview process and didn't know it was with state government until I was actually filling out the papers. I had been offered the job. And I thought, oh, state of Utah, interesting. So <laughs> I'm working in government now, and I didn't know it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so because um, they were they were down in Orem in a small building just kind of um, seemed like a nonprofit in some ways. And so um, started part-time there. And 17 years later, I'm um, still there and 
loving every minute of it. So, well, so let's talk about this. Um, so you serve Utah. Just yes. let's talk a little bit about it. It does feel like a nonprofit. Um, in some ways, yeah. in a lot of ways, but also tell me the connection, how the government, how this, how it works and maybe how it interacts with sure. the rest of the nonprofit world. Yeah. So, um, so it was started in 1994, um, President Bush had um, a couple years earlier started, you remember the famous speech where he said a thousand points of light, right? And it, people yeah. needed to step out of themselves and become this, you know, gift back to their communities and different things. And he started a, a part of the federal government that was not a, a, a government agency. It was a council on um, community service. And he started that. And then after he left, um, Bill Clinton w- came into office and he took that council and created a government en- entity called – a federal agency called the Corporation for National and Community Service. And that agency grants out uh, resources for AmeriCorps programs across the state. When it started, it was supposed to be this joint state and federal um, – program and it still it still is very much that way the funding comes from the federal government goes to states it goes to a state service commission like ours so there's an organization like ours in every state across the country and um, in order to access the AmeriCorps funding they had to set that up okay. it can either be part of state government or it could be a, a five standalone nonprofit a 501c3 and in in a handful of states it is a nonprofit Um but it has to have this com- – the commission is technically the board of directors. So your husband, when he was lieutenant governor, served on our commission board. And so in if you want to get into real technicalities, we're just staff to the commission itself. So the commission is the body, the 20-member um, entity. And so, um, yeah, we've been – for over 25 years now, we've been giving grants out to nonprofits to run AmeriCorps programs. When they established it in Utah, they wanted it to be broader than just AmeriCorps. So we had a part of the original executive order that Governor Levitt signed um, talked about um, just community engagement in general and volunteerism. And so we've always had these kind of two focus areas. One side is AmeriCorps and the other side is just volunteerism and how to – we're the central coordinating body for service and volunteerism. And our goal is to promote and inspire volunteerism across the state of Utah. Um, we also work heavily in that side of our shop on building capacity for nonprofit in nonprofits for volunteerism. It feels really mu- very much like you should just know how to vol- you know what to do with volunteers, and people don't really always understand that there's infrastructure needed, right? I, I mean, you do your days of service. Um, and your focus area and service and the amount of behind the scenes that happens just to make that happen. And so um, there is a, a need for uh, for that within our state. Yeah, I think that's an important point. Um, service doesn't just happen. And yes, we want to just show up and volunteer a lot of times, but I think people – maybe aren't always aware of the of the groundwork that has to happen before those projects can go forward and, and then people can be served. We have a lot of nonprofits too that we have so many volunteers in the state. We have so many. I, and, and I think sometimes people aren't aware of just how unique and different we really are. My counterparts in other states ask us all the time, you know, how do you do it? What? And we're not that far ahead 
when they do the the rankings in overall percentage, but what we call intensity. So the average volunteer nationally gives about 28 hours a year. The next closest state to us is about 40, and we're in the 80s hours a year per, per, per individual. And so that's that's just a huge impact, but it's not always utilized in the best way, right, to, to make the most impact you can make with that particular resource. So, yeah, that's that's a really incredible point. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit more about this as we come right back. Welcome back. I have Ladon Stoddard here with me today. She is the executive director of You Serve Utah. Um, we we had a little uh, media tour yes, <laughs> last <I did>. week. <laughs> we we actually had a really fun day where we we hit a lot of the. Uh, the news stations, a lot of news shows, a lot of uh, morning shows, um, had an interview with the trip, had uh, interviews with um, some radio stations here at KSL or radio shows here at KSL. And um, we were talking about uh, 9-11. So LaDon, tell me a little bit. Let's tell our viewers a little or our listeners about the 9-11 day of service that's coming up. First off, thank you so much for everything that you did. That media tour was slightly exhausting. And, um, <laughs> Just a little. It, it, but um, we're, we're so appreciative of your support. Um, so 9-11, I love a quote that, that one of the um, – an individual who had a good friend that, that um, passed away from 9-11 at, during 9-11 – said he says it's not so much about what happened on 9/11 as what happened on 9/12 right how the country came together how it unified and um and so there's been since that the the next year the the one year anniversary there's been a focus on trying to make that day something else to be remembered right by instead of the tragedy that we all saw trying to make it more of a um a day of remembrance and honor and recognition, but also a day of unity. And we're we need unity right now more than ever. So um, the there is a national coalition. Anybody who wants to kind of understand what they're all about, it's nine eleven day dot org. Um, it's a national uh, a national coalition that's brought together a lot of organizations that is focused this year specifically with the twentieth anniversary. And their goal is to do 20 million acts of service across across the country, acts of service and kindness across the country in, in recognition of the 20th anniversary of 9-11. There's a few days that that kind of stand out um, as national days of service. We've got we've got several, but the the ones that probably stand out with most significance are MLK Day of Service and then this one, 9-11. It's developed quite a bit of prominence around a day of service in the last few years. So we're we're excited to see there's projects everywhere across the state. I was going through them last night trying to find a good list for um for Saturday. Um, we're excited that that uh, am I okay to say the yeah. governor and first lady are going to visit a few projects and um and and my my I, my eyes got tired. It was <laughs> it was just uh, you know, pages and pages, and it's everywhere. Um, you know, it's it's out in our most rural areas, San Juan County. You know, clear up north in Rich County. I, I mean, it's all across the state. You can find a project no matter where you are in the state of Utah. 
Yeah, and I guess to me it was um, the idea is just beautiful because one of the things we were talking about on our media tour was the idea of sort of taking back or or maybe recapturing the spirit after that day, the spirit of of coming together, um, you know, as a country. I remember feeling that after 9-11, it was, it was sort of a common purpose, a common, um, idea that, that this country, I guess when it's under attack, we, we, instead of attacking each other, which seems to be happening more and more, we felt a sense of purpose in coming and serving each other, which I thought was beautiful. I, it's true. I, I, we all kind of saw ourselves as Americans and stood up for that, for a little while anyway. Um, and it, it, it is. Um, I'm old enough to remember kind of what what happened, and you know, it, it was a there was about a week afterwards where you just wanted to hug people. That's all you wanted to do, and. Um, and uh, and we started recognizing our common humanity versus our differences. And and service can do that for people. It tends to take you outside of yourself, right? You don't think about you anymore. Um, you're typically exposed to someone potentially that has much greater need than you do in a lot of ways. Um, and so uh, it tends to give you perspective on your own problems oftentimes. And um, it's just, it's a lovely thing to serve another person. And and it's not just the person receiving service that benefits. It's usually the person giving service often that can get a lot more. Yeah, we did, uh, We the Farmers Feeding Utah did a lot last fall around getting folks, um, you know, farmers had all this produce, all these things that they couldn't, get to the, you know, the supply chains through COVID were disrupted. And remember we, so working with them, we did a a Thanksgiving uh, food donation thing where we brought all these, um, you know, working with the farmers of Utah, did boxes full of food to folks in our area in San Pete County. And we had all our extended family members out and we all put stuff in boxes and and we had lists of folks that people had nominated which was kind of beautiful too because it wasn't people saying i need this yeah it's very rarely in utah do we do, step up and do, say i need yeah there, it's 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 a it's sort of a part of our our culture or you know the way we think is we we think surely somebody else needs more than i do right now and um i just you know as we as we did that i mean just tears we came back together and sort of talked about our experience and, and you, you said it, you know, you, you start to see perspective and, and we get caught up so much in our own issues and we yell at each other on Facebook and we, we come at each other because we don't think, you know, somebody's doing thing the way I would do it. And, and, and it just has a way, service has a way of just letting all that disappear and, and just really reconnecting um, like you said, to our to our our common humanity, um, I, I just think some of the some of our choicest moments as a family have been uh, during service, during you know times when we've gotten out and stopped fighting with each other, stopped getting mad at each other, you know, and yeah. just walking out 
and doing something for somebody else that that is in need. I think it's a it's a beautiful thing that we can do as a state too. It is, um, and there are. I I'm a huge proponent of. Um, there's needs in our own backyard. Sometimes people get caught up when they think of service. It needs to be what we call sexy, right? Yeah. It needs to be international or it needs to be – and don't get me wrong because there are needs everywhere across the world. But we we really have – do have needs right here and I it just warms my heart to see people stepping up and recognizing you know, those needs and – Oftentimes, like you said, it's not someone who set who is crying for help. It's somewhat maybe not vocally, but internally, and you may never you may never hear that. And um, we we need to. I think we all just if we could take a minute and just be more cognizant of what's going on around us, we would see those needs pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think that's what I guess that's what dawned on us as we were doing this service project last Thanksgiving was, you know, we live in this community. We drive through these towns daily. Um, I had no idea. You know, we're finding addresses somewhere, uh, and then we come upon a little house that's not much, and we knock on the door, and inside there's a grandma taking care of grandkids who she just overwhelmed with gratitude, just crying, saying, had no idea anybody cared, but she was struggling, yeah. you know. And and so I think when you talk about in our own backyards, that's what that's what was driven home to me that day was looking around my towns that I participate in, that I do things in every day, and having no idea that people were struggling like that. Yeah, I think that, um, like you said, we are taught to be very self sufficient and very independent, and. It's really hard. I can personally say it's really hard to say I need help. I mean, I'm not good at it. And so um, I totally understand and empathize with people that don't feel comfortable stepping up and saying that. Um, But on the flip side of that, um, there are people that really – we have a state that wants to help. And we've learned – if we've learned nothing else, there's a couple things about getting people out. And the first one is they don't know the need. And the second one is they don't know how. They don't know how to engage. And so um, once their their awareness, um, the need is brought to their awareness and they're given a tool on how to help, we're inundated with volunteers. And so, um, yeah, that's a it's. It's just the way our state works, <laughs> and what and you have the opportunity and the and the resources to put that infrastructure that we talked about in place. Yeah, so that these projects can go forward. Yeah, we work with what we try to do is work with nonprofits and help them be thoughtful about how to engage volunteers. So, so sometimes um, you've got. Uh, most people think of service in the in like what we're going to do on Saturday. These great big events, but um, a lot of nonprofits just need someone to come in and help answer phones for a couple of hours. Or, you know, there's t- kids in school that need that that need tutoring, and they need some volunteers to get in and do that. There's there's a variety of things that are not big events, and in reality, um, what we're trying to do is help. Elevate awareness for individuals to understand what those are and for nonprofits to be thoughtful about how 
they can effectively use volunteers. Like you and I both have had an experience where we go and volunteer and it's not really meaningful. You know that they just kind of put something out there because they're trying to, you know, they, they are trying to engage 50 volunteers. And so it's, we're really being thoughtful about meaningful, impactful service that really will move the needle on issues um, and not just stuffing envelopes. Now, don't get me wrong, because there's a time and a place that, for that. But there's this happy medium of trying to understand what works best for organizations. Well, and I think all, all of us, we don't want to waste our time if it's not meaningful. And we don't want to waste the organization's time. And we don't want to... I mean, we could be doing... By wasting time, I mean... We could be doing an actual meaningful service that it's that's really helping somebody versus something that, like you said, that just was like, oh, we need a service, so we're going to hurry and throw this together. Yeah, and I think what you're talking about is is making sure that we're intentional, we are planning, and we are really organizing. First of all, knowing the need, and then making sure that whatever we're doing to serve that need. Um, is th- that it's working? Yes, <laughs> that it's it's doing its job or it's serving its purpose. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, I think we. I want to get into talking about what service opportunities. In my experience, people come to me and say, "Well, I want to help, but I just don't know how, or I just don't know where." Or where's the best thing? And I think like you, like we talked about, there are people that say, I don't want to go do some fluffy thing that's actually not that helpful. Um, how can I do something that's that's really going to serve a need that's, that's present and um, immediate right now? So let's, let's continue to talk about this. And I want you to give us some specifics when we come right back. We are continuing our conversation with LaDon Stoddard, the Executive Director of YouServe Utah. And LaDon, I want to go back to talking about that list, I guess, that we have of projects that are going around all over the state this Saturday on September 11th. Um, it's it's our day of service. It's a national day of service. But in Utah, we take our volunteerism, our number one volunteerism uh spot very seriously and I know that throughout the entire state no matter where you are there are projects going around on around you uh, everywhere so let's let's talk about a few of those today so a um, couple of big ones that I think would be helpful there's a there's a cleanup going on around the Jordan River Parkway and it's starting at like I think want to say 4,500 south and at different locations all the way down through Riverton, Bluffdale, there's cleanup projects happening along the uh, Jordan River Parkway. JustServe.org has a list of most of these and and everything else that's happening around the state. Um, The same type of thing is happening around Utah Lake. Um, Several of the um, beaches um, and parks that are along Utah Lake are doing cleanups. Um, seven different locations um, along Utah Lake, um, from Lehigh, or sorry, from American Fork, Linden, down in through Vineyard. Um, so clean up projects there. So family friendly, get the whole family out. But then there's projects up in um, Summit, Wasatch County. There's different projects. There's cemetery cleanups happening. Um, 
There's uh, down in Sandy, there's a project to paint fire hydrants. Um, there is um, I've done those a lot of yeah. <laughs> there's a before. lot of mill kits being um, done there's um, I, I wish I could remember I was on just serve yesterday going through a lot of these projects and literally every corner of the state there is something happening um, a lot of them outdoors were still in really great weather and um, not much chance of rain for for Saturday, so a lot of outdoor projects happening um, at, in in various locations. So, yeah, I was remembering some of the ones I saw on the list. Um, I know in Washington County, I think most of the towns, I, I think Washington, uh, Saint George, Hurricane, if I remember right. Again, look at the list on youserveutah.org. dot um, org. Just serve. Just serve dot org, and and we'll list that at the end. Um, but get on there and see. But I know that several cleanup areas were going on in those towns. Um, I do remember seeing in Provo, they are doing, a, which I think is a really fun one, a, a bike repair yeah. service project where you know they're repairing kids' bikes. Which, you know, for me, when I was a kid, my kid, my bike was always had a pop tire or chain was off or something. So it's it's really nice to have have that to be able to fix those for kids. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other. There's, there's one going on in Moab, I know. Yep. There's a lot happening in Weber Davis County. Also, um, there is a big project um, uh, happening um, in recognition of Mayor Brent Wilson Taylor Taylor sorry yeah yep. um Jenny I know is is spearheading that and lots of projects lot of environmental um park cleanups I um there's going to be a lot of really clean parks after Saturday <laughs> because there's a lot of park cleanups happening almost I would say every community across the state is doing some some type of park cleanup so yeah and you talked about um, cemetery cleanups yep. and I have to say we we did that on our tour when we were campaigning we did uh, and it was shortly after uh, Memorial Day and if if I know anything, it's you be careful what you take off those. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those grapes. They said, nope, if it's still here, you have to throw it. I was like, we're going to get in trouble. I know how this is. Well, a couple of the cemetery cleanups are actually cleaning headstones. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a demonstration on how to do that appropriately. Oh, interesting. First thing before they send out people to 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 do it. So because, you know, um, a lot of those headstones get water spots and and faded and and so there's yeah a lot of and happening. and sometimes we, I remember doing a project in Fairview around the cemetery once where we actually lifted a lot of them because a lot of them had sunk s- sink down and so you can't see them and you can't and that was an interesting project that we yeah. <laughs> did in the cemetery that's you a, don't want to do that it, late at night but yeah. <laughs> in the daytime it's it, pretty good yeah that's that's a yeah there is there is just so much happening and um i had a couple of interesting uh stories we we've been working a, l- a little bit with the national coalition for 911 day and they have put out challenges across the country and um the the um director that I was talking to said, we thought we'd do a state-to-state challenge, right? So let's see which state um, would step up and really, 
really have a lot of service on 9-11. And then we realized that um, it wouldn't be a competition except yeah. for second place. Right. <laughs> Utah would be first. And, Congratulations and everybody to else. whoever's taking second, third, fourth. We will always take uh, the top spot. And that's and they and they're. They have they have really been very complimentary about how how engaged um, our communities are across the state for this Saturday. Well, and also, I mean, talk a little bit about you and I have had this conversation about actual volunteerism, you know, the the recorded volunteerism versus the actual volunteerism that goes on in our state. I mean, we're always number one for the recorded volunteerism, what we put down on paper, but talk a little bit about how Utah is so unique on uh, the other side of volunteerism. So um, the way that the the rankings are done is it's done through the supplemental census through the Department of U.S. Department of Labor. And there's just some questions asked about, do you volunteer? And I think the conversation that you're referring to that you and I had was the fact that so much of what we do, we don't think of as volunteering, like parents that um, are in children's schools helping. And they don't necessarily think of that as a formal type of volunteering or dads that coach Little League. Or, I mean, there's so much that happens. They did a few years back do what they call formal versus informal volunteering. And our formal volunteering rate, which means someone goes to an organization and volunteers for an organization, is about 51%. Our informal, which is neighbor helping neighbor, is close to 90% of individuals across the state that, wow. that engage in some sort of informal volunteering. And one is no better than the other, but sometimes the informal it really is when there's heavy need. Like you have a neighbor that's really, you know, had some health issues or um, different different situations, and sometimes that informal is really where the connection is made and where um, you see you really see how important it is in in what you're doing. Yeah. That is that is powerful, and I think you're exactly right. That is where the connection happens mostly. Um, I I hearken back to our, our dear friend Pamela Atkinson, who's been on our podcast before, but I, she talks a lot about um, fits of charity around Christmas time, which is not a bad thing. We want people to volunteer at Christmas time. It's one of the most beautiful things a family can do to really, you know, really have that spirit of the season and that kind of thing. Um, but we also need to make sure that people understand the the need throughout the year. Very true. Food banks by by March or April are sometimes running really low. Um, and those are areas where oftentimes through the holidays you get a lot of donations. Um, but there are needs all year long. And um, we used to run a campaign and we haven't done it for a few years that challenged people to commit. You know, yes, we're so excited that you're willing to um, to give of your time um, and talents throughout the holiday. Um, pledge to do it sometime in May or June, right? Um, and so, yeah, it is definitely – I don't know that we'll ever get away from seeing this heavy peak in um, during the holidays, but – I think I just uh, we were just talking about this. People just need to be aware. They need to be aware of a need and they need to know how they can help. Those two things, if people understand that, it doesn't matter what time of the year, they'll step up. Um, so 
the awareness seems to be elevated during the holidays. I think we could we can encourage awareness all year long. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's important. I think this nine eleven day is is a great way to to do that. This is not the holiday, the traditional holiday season, and it's it's a beautiful time. I think to really have that remembrance of, you know, the sacrifice of those that have died, especially, you know, here we, we just recently had one of our own here in Utah, our soldiers die as they, he was helping the exit in Afghanistan and, um, just went to a memorial last week where it was, you know, just pretty heart wrenching. Um, and that brought home to me again, um, all those, feelings of 9-11 in this 20 years, this is the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the 20 years we've, we've had people sacrificing after that day. And they're volunteers of a sort, right? All of our first responders, all of our military personnel, they volunteer to do what they are doing. They may be compensated for it, but no one compels them to do it. And so, um, it's a it's a great way to recognize them for the service that they're willing to give us. Yeah, and you talked about the first responders. It's you know, when you live in a rural area, those are all volunteers. I mean, in in our little Fairview, anybody on the ambulance is a volunteer. Anybody that's a firefighter is a volunteer. Literally are not getting not paid, paid, yeah, to to do it and they are just doing it to serve their communities and it's it's beautiful. So I I really appreciate you being here, Ladon, today, talking about these very important issues. Um, service, I think, as a way of life, is just what Utah's all about. And I know that because people know about this, when they know about it, and now they do, they know how to serve and the best ways to do that. Um, we are going to take that top spot, um, and it's not even going to be close. So I appreciate that. Thanks, Thank Ladon. Thank you. You can find more information on how to serve and where to serve throughout the state at youserve.utah.gov, as well as justserve.org to find all the service projects going on on 9-11 this Saturday. Thanks for being a friend.